Hey G12 family, welcome to our podcast. We are so excited to have you here. We know this message will draw you closer to God's word, his will, and his way wherever you are. Enjoy the message. Okay, so you guys remember what we spoke about last week. The second mile club, right? And what are we learning about? Which character in the Bible? Nehemiah, all right? So today I want to speak about selfish or selfless. Selfish or selfless. Say, ooh, ooh. I wonder what it'll be. So David Green, he's the owner and founder of the Hobby Lobby stores. Have you ever shopped at a Hobby Lobby? Woo, who loves Hobby Lobby? They have great decoration stuff, lots and lots of things, especially for seasons, special seasons. But he was born in a Christian home, a very, very poor home. But ever since his early childhood, he learned about generosity. His parents were poor, but still he would see his mom tithing from her dresses. She had few dresses and she would even give her tithe from her dresses. And she's always encouraging her kids, you have to do something for the Lord. And as he was growing up and he started to get into sales, into business, his mother would always ask him, what are you doing for the Lord? What are you doing for the Lord? And these words got stuck in his heart and he's like, yeah, even though I'm growing in my business, I would have to do something for the Lord because the Lord, because the, my mom and my parents have shown me this generosity, and now I have to give it all back. So he said, first of all, Hobby Lobby said, I'm going to close on Sundays as well. He's a Christian man. So he closed. He, they close on Sundays, just like Chick-fil-A that I, we spoke to last week. And still, they're the most profitable store like that. And he also said, he started saying, okay, I'm going to give 10% of all my earnings as a company to Christian organizations who are spreading the, the, the gospel. And he started giving 10%. And then he's like, do you think I can outgive God? And then he's, him and his son, who also runs the company, they started to do this plan where six, six months later, they would double that amount. So they said, okay, we're going to start with 10%. They we're going to go to 20%. And then 18, 18 months later, we're going to go to trip. We're going to triple that. So today they give 50% of their earnings to Christian organizations. So give it up for them. They're a great example. And you might say, what are their earnings? Last year it was $4.5 billion. That's how much they made. So it's billions of dollars. Imagine half of that, they give it to Christian organizations. And not only that, it's debt free. Can you imagine that? It's debt free. So he lives by the Christian principles and he's able to build his business in a no debt type of thing. Would you like that? They were the founders of the Museum of the Bible. Actually, have you ever heard of the Museum of the Bible? It's amazing. It's in Washington, right by the Capitol. But they found it as a $1 billion project. So this is how generous they are. And they're like, 
the more we give, the more God blesses. And he's like, I've never been happier in my life than by giving. So it's a true example. But then we look at Nehemiah, and Nehemiah was having the total opposite thing. Because people were in so much debt. But look at what David Green says. He's, he says, run your business in harmony with God's laws. This will keep you do. This will keep you on an ethical footing. Seek to please God in everything you do. That's his advice. Run your business in harmony with God's laws. And this is how he's run it all his life. And look how prosperous he is and debt free. But let's look at Nehemiah, at Nehemiah 5, verse 4 and 5. It says, And others said, We've had to borrow money to on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and our children are just like theirs. Yet, we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters, and we are helpless to do anything about it for our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. So, if you read chapter 4, they were pretty much almost done with the wall. Chapter 5, like almost completely done. But here they come, and they have, we are in so much debt. Even though we belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, we've had to sell our children into slavery in order to live. So imagine how much debt they were in. They were so desperate to survive that they even had to sell their children. Imagine yourself is like an extreme poverty situation here they are they are building the wall here they are they are advancing here they are they're seeing progress in the city but at the same time we have no money we have so much debt and now in order for us to survive we basically have to sell our children extreme extreme measures and perhaps you say well what does that have to do with me a lot of times this happens to us as Christians as well because we want to advance, we want to progress, we want to do God's ministry, we want to have our subgroups, we want to go here and there, but then we have so much debt. And so the people were basically oppressed, so oppressed by that, by debt. Really, really, really oppressed by debt. And maybe you, you, you have a student loan and you haven't been able to pay it. Maybe you're paying really high interest on your mortgage. Or maybe you owe money to someone. And when you see that someone, you're always trying to like hide from him. Maybe that someone is in church. Maybe they come to, to this service or you end up going on Sunday. And then, so you don't, you don't meet that person. Hey, I owe you some money. What's up? So I don't know what your situation is. But a lot of times when we have debt, that's like our oppression. So I don't know your situation today, but I'm telling you that if you're able to give your all to God and to trust in him, he's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of your business. He's going to take care of the loans as long as you learn how to take care of God's business as well. And if you're able to understand how to walk with God's law. So when Nehemiah heard these things, he got really angry. He got really angry at the people. He's like, oh, my God, we're almost done with this wall. And you guys, I can't believe this. Because they're saying these people are our brothers. These people are, 
are our same flesh and blood. We're partners because we're all Jewish. And these people are treating us so bad. They are putting so much interest in us. So Nehemiah was so mad at these officials and these nobles. And he was like, you guys are doing something completely wrong. And God is so mad at you. So he told them, remember what the word says in Exodus 22:25. If you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. This is in the, in the Bible. And if you think about it, even until today, Jewish people keep this law. If they know that somebody is Jewish with them, they don't charge them interest. They have that culture of helping each other from what Exodus says. So it's like you're going against the law. You're charging your brother's interest. You're taking advantage. And this is why now they're even having to sell their children. And we're doing so, so, so bad. So he was really, really bad. And as authority, he reminded them what the word of God said. They were being really selfish. They were just thinking about themselves. They were just thinking about their profit. And they didn't care in any way about the people living there. Because they were an authority, but they weren't thinking of the people. So when I looked in the dictionary, the word selfish, it says concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself. Concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself. These nobles were like this. They were just concerned about their earnings. They were like, everyone just give me your land. Everyone just give me your percentage. I don't care about you. There's nothing to do here. I don't care if you don't have anything to do in order for you to be productive. But give me what's mine. So there, were no, there was no compassion in these officials. And they were hurting them. Nehemiah 5.7 says... You are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money because you're only thinking about yourselves. And this usually can happen to us. A lot of times, this is our nature as human beings, right? It's me, 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 me first, and then the rest of the people. Exclusively, I'm thinking about me. I'm only thinking about me. And when you're selfish, Nehemiah is, is telling these people, you are hurting other people. You are hurting those around you when you are the selfish. When you only think about yourself and not the people around you. As a personal testimony, I'm like a really high doer. Like I like high, you know, like tasks. And I'm happy if I'm able to check my tasks for the day. Are there any doers in the house that you're like, Dang. So I'm really high doer. And a lot of these things have to do a lot of times with work, right? Or projects or maybe a new music project, a new team, a new thing that is happening. So my mind is a lot of times in doing these things. And because of that, maybe I would be with my kids, but I would not be with them. I would be thinking about work. I would be thinking about my things. I would be thinking about my projects. And then as I started to realize and actually study about productivity, it says, like, the less you do, the more productive you will be. I was like, wow. So it's totally the opposite from what I was doing. It's like, I'm doing it all wrong. I'm doing too many things and doing nothing at the same time. So I got it all wrong. 
And as I was like, this is so right. I have to do way less things. I have to be more intentional when I'm working. I'm just working. When I'm reading, I'm just reading. When I'm with my kids, I'm having good time with my kids. And then when we would even go out with my husband and my kids at the restaurant, me and my husband would be on our phones doing other things. So we weren't like really having quality time. Has that happened to you? <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> so I started doing it. This is being really selfish because you're not enjoying what God's given you. If you have kids, you're not enjoying your kids. Or if you have parents, if you have siblings, if you have friends, it's like you're not enjoying that quality time with them and you're being selfish with them. So I had to realize that, like, this thing can wait. A text message can wait. An email can wait. How many of you know that that's not urgent? No one's going to die if you don't reply your text message within the, the two, next five minutes, right? All of those things can wait. And I realized that. And, and now I actually have times, specific times when I check my email, specific times when I reply to my text messages. Specific, and it's not the whole day I'm just checking for an email or I turned off my notifications and a lot of stuff, social media. Because if you don't turn them off, you're going to see them there. <laughs> and they're going to be right there like, this person wrote you, this person commented on you, this person. And you're just going to be the whole time. And then you don't spend quality time with the people that need to be around you. Maybe you're doing your devotional. That's your quality time with Jesus. That's you reading the Bible. And then, boom, a, t a no notification. A text message, social media, and you're like, oh, my God. So these distractions are actually being a distraction for you to do something right. These things are actually stealing your life. And I realized that. I was like, wow, I'm not doing anything right because I'm doing too many things. Every interruption is stealing my time from someone. It's stealing my time from God. Stealing my time from myself. So now when I grab my phone, I don't go on social media, but I go to a book or I go to something that would be more productive. You know, so you start making these changings and you're like, wow. When, I'm, when we're having dinner, when we're having lunch, we have quality time. We put our phones aside and we actually spend time with each other. And so I, I had to realize I was being selfish with my kids. I was being selfish with my husband. And we started to change things in us. And one of our values as a church, it says, Jesus is first. My priorities are in order. We're going to repeat it. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus is first. My priorities are in order. If you have one of these values, I say this every day. This is one of my daily declarations as well. It's like, Jesus is first, my priorities are in order. It's like, okay, if Jesus is first, am I spending quality time with Jesus? Am I reading what I need to read? Am I writing what I need to write? Am I really doing things right? Am I really spending time with them? And are my priorities in order? You know, am I taking care of my loved ones? What, what are my priorities like? So it makes you realize and start making changes. And James 3.16 says, we're... For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So where there's selfish, selfishness, there's other things that are going to come as well. It's not like, oh, I'm just being selfish. But if you're selfish, then it says that disorder, 
and that this order is going to lead to every evil practice. So it might start with something small. It might start with like, oh, I'm just thinking about myself, but then it'll lead to more things. And now let's look at what selfless means. It's, when I looked in the dictionary, it says concerned more with the needs and wishes of others than with one's own. Say, ooh. This is great because when I was doing research for this message and I was listening to David's green testimony, he kept saying, it's all about having a selfless life. It's all about having a selfless life. And I was like, wow, this man is a billionaire. This man is doing the word of God and he's saying this word over and over. It's all about having a selfless life. And I was like, what does that really mean? And this is what it means. You cons you're concerned more about other people than yourself. And this is hard. This is hard because we're always just worried about what we want. But Nehemiah, when he heard that these people were hurt, when he heard that these people were in great distress, he had to speak for them. He's like, I'm a leader. I can do something about this. And look what he says in Nehemiah. 5.9, it says, so I continued, what you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? So he had to speak for the people. He had to speak loud. He was an example because he had to renounce to every privilege that he had as a leader, as a governor. And he was really disappointed at these people. Because they were not thinking about what was best for the people, but for himself. So I want you guys to think about this. Are you really thinking about other people more than yourself? For example, at home, are you thinking on what's best for you or for your whole family? Are you thinking what's best for you or for your whole family? And a lot of times when you're a parent... Who in here is a parent? If you have kids, go like this. Woo. There's a few parents. As a parent, it's like more obvious that you're thinking more about your children. But as a, as a daughter or as a child, who in here lives with her parents? Okay, a lot of you guys do. I remember when I used to live with my parents, I didn't worry about anything. I just worry about... Oh, is my room going to be bigger? I don't want to share my room with my sister. I want to have my own. You know, you're always thinking of, your, of yourself. So sometimes as a parent, it's easier to think about your children and, the, and providing for the whole house. But what about your sisters? If you have sisters or siblings, who has siblings? Are you thinking about your siblings? This is hard because you always, you know, even my, my daughter's, they're so little, but they're, they love each other, but then two minutes later, they're fighting about things. And that's how the whole day is. It's me, it's mine. And so this is hard, you know, as human beings, because you're always thinking about yourself at work. At work. Are you thinking about just yourself, or are you thinking about what's more important for the whole organization, for your entire company? You know, I was, I was reading and listening that when people show up to work, they're thinking, first me, then me, then maybe the, pe the people in my department, and then maybe my whole organization. 
So think about it. Are you concerned on what's best for everybody as a church right here? A lot of times you might think, what's best for my ministry? What's best for the area that I serve? Are, are there any volunteers here? Woo! So you might be worried just like if you serve in the kids area. It's like, I'm just worried about kids. I'm just worried about production. I'm just worried about the worship team. I'm just worried about the welcome team and you just worried about those things but you don't stop and think what's the best thing for the whole organization what's the best thing for the entire church and this makes you like start thinking and making a few changes and I started thinking about this what's the best thing for our church what's the best thing for my family maybe I have to die to this and maybe we have to start listening to other people's ideas and this is this is going to start making some changes in you. And it's hard. But you got to think, what's the best thing for my house? What's the best thing for the church? What's the best thing for the company that I work for? And this is going to start making some shifting in, in, your, in your mind. And Colossians 10.24 says, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Let's read it together. Ready? First Corinthians. My bad. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, 1, 2, 3, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. It says it really clear. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And it's really hard. I heard a testimony about Mosab Hassan Youssef. You can see his picture. Have you heard of him? Me either. <laughs> it's a random picture I found. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, this guy, he's got a book called... Son of Hamas. Have you heard of that book? Yeah? One person. So, Son of Hamas. What is Hamas? Have you heard of Hamas? It's a terrorist organization. Ooh. <laughs> Hamas is an Islamic terrorist organization in, in Palestine. And he is the son of one of the founders. And he got converted into Christianity. He became a Christian. Give it up for him. Woo! His, man, that book is amazing. If you could read it, it's his testimony, Son of Hamas. And I was reading it, I was like, wow. And he grew up, um, his dad is an imam, which is like a priest and for the Islam. And he grew up with that Islam, and, and they teach like hatred towards your enemy, the infidels, the people who don't belong to them. And he grew up with this hatred towards Jewish, towards Christians. But he was starting to doubt, like, why do we hate them so much? Why is this religion so much about hatred? So when he was in Jerusalem one time, somebody invited him to, like, church. And then right after, they gave him a New Testament. And he started reading the New Testament in his house, but he had to hide it right? Because if they would find out that he was reading the Bible, the New Testament, you know what could happen? They could kill him. So it's like you're being unfaithful to, to your religion, to your family, to your heritage. So he was just hiding in secret and reading it. And he started reading the Gospels. He started reading Matthew, Mark, and he started reading Jesus's words. And he was like, wait a minute, I don't get this. What? And he got to Matthew 5, 43 and 44, and it says, 
You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When he heard this and when he read this, he just started to cry. He was like, this is totally the opposite from what I've heard my whole life. I've always heard that you have to hate your enemies. And Jesus is saying a completely different thing. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When he heard this, he just started to cry. And after that, he continued to have a relationship with Jesus until he was finally able to say, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. This doesn't make any sense. Why should I be nice to someone who yells at me? Why should I be nice to someone who is unfair? Why should I be nice to someone who put me out of business? Why should I be nice to someone who is constantly insulting me and hurting me? Should I pray for those people? Should I pray for the people who have abused me? Should I pray for the people who have yelled at me? And the Bible says, yes. And the Bible says, you have to. And the Bible says, even those who persecuted you, who insulted you, you have to pray for those people. This is what Jesus has done. And Jesus says that even bad people want what's best for their own children, want what's best for their loved ones. So what's the difference if we as Christians only want what's best for our friends, only want what's best for our family and not for our enemies or for the people who have been bad at us? Why should we do this? Because Jesus was our example. And now today you realize you have been selfish instead of selfless. But Nehemiah, he was a bold leader. He was so mad about these people. He said, I'm going to confront you now. We need to act. And you know what you need to do? You need to give back. Say with me, give back. Give back. And he told them in verse 11, Nehemiah 5.11, give back to them immediately their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves and houses, and also the interest you're charging them. 1% of the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. So as I was telling you guys, these nobles, these officials, they had all these lands. They had all these things that they had acquired. And they had all these percentage from the interest they were charging. So the people were in so much poverty, but they were getting richer. But these nobles and officials, they said, okay, what do we have to do? And he's like, you have to give it back right now. It's like if you already had like houses, if you already had things that were your own property, and now somebody comes and tells you, you got to give them back. You got to give back the interest. You got to give everything back. And he said, give it back immediately. Say with me, immediately. Say with me, now. It wasn't like a monthly plan. It wasn't like, like the nobles were like, do you think we could do it like two years, you know, like every six months we give back a house or something no he said now say with me now so that's what was happening saint francis says for it is in giving that we receive for it is in giving that we receive so i want to challenge you guys to think of one person that maybe you can bless today think of someone that you could do something for them Maybe they don't deserve them because 
How many of you know that being generous doesn't necessarily mean that they deserve it? It's like out of the blue. So me out of the blue. Out of the blue. So maybe give them an offering. Maybe pay for their rent. Maybe forgive a debt. Maybe, as I was saying, somebody in church, you, you lent them money. Or not even in church, a family member, a co-worker, anyone. And you lend them like, I don't know, some money, $1,000, $500, What if you call them and you say, you know what, I forgive you your debt. You don't owe me anything. Or the Lord put in my heart, I'm going to give you an offering. The Lord put in my heart that I'm going to go and pray for you. The Lord put in my heart that I want to take you out for dinner. The Lord put in my heart that, you know, just think of, some, of somebody. Have you thought of someone already? Do you have it in your mind? Yes? Tell the person next to you what, who that person is, who you're going to bless this week. Tell the person next to you, your mom, your sister, your co-worker, your disciple, your leader. Have you thought of it? Okay, great. You got to be very intentional of whom you're going to bless. So now why... As Christians, are we supposed to give to others? Because John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus Christ gave it all for us. Jesus Christ gave till the last drop of his blood. For we are his friends. And this was the greatest love of all. So you're going to think about your life. You're going to stand up and you're going to think about life. You're going to think of someone who brought you to church. You're going to think of that person who paid the price so that you're here today. And you're going to start thanking God for that person. You know, today I'm really grateful for my parents because they prayed for me. They raised me in the love of Jesus. They taught me about following His ways. If they wouldn't have paid that price, if they wouldn't pay that sacrifice, I wouldn't know the Lord today. And I know you're here because somebody prayed for you. Because somebody paid that price for you. Because maybe you didn't deserve it. But that person decided to be selfless so that you could be here. So today you're just going to pray and bless that person and thank God for that person who paid the price so you could be here today. And be grateful. Be grateful for God's unconditional love. Do we deserve to be forgiving? Do we deserve this eternal life? No, we don't. But Jesus is so selfless. But God is so selfless that he gave his only begotten son so that we could have eternal life. So think today, what is your life like? Are you a selfish person? Are you constantly thinking of me, 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 and myself? Or are you putting others before you? Are you putting God before you? Think of this today. And make a commitment to live a selfless life. Why does Christians do we need to give to others? Because he loved us first. Because he paid the price. 
because somebody paid the price so that we could be here today. And you're just going to put your hand over your heart and you're going to say, Lord, give me a selfless life. Give me a selfless life. I don't want to think about myself the whole time, but I want to keep constantly thinking, how can I bless other people? How can I add value to my team? How can I add value to my family? How can I add value to my church? How can I add value to the place where you've placed me? This is what you've called us to live. This is what you've called us to live. To live selfless lives. And you're going to start praying. And you're going to say, Lord, I die to my own things, to my own wants. And I live to what you want. And I decide to live a selfless life. A selfless life. I want to give it all for you on the cross. Come on, start praising him today. If you feel him in this place, start praising him today. Start praising him today. Declare how you're going to start living a new life. Declare today that this is a new beginning for you. Come on, even louder. Even louder. Even louder. Even louder. He's doing something in you as you praise him. As you praise him, he's doing something in you. He's taking away that selfishness that was in your heart. He's taking away that selfishness. And he's giving you a new heart. He's giving you a new heart. He's giving you a new heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands. Praise him. Say thank you, Lord, for what you did in the cross. Before you go, make sure to click the follow button so you never miss what's new. We would love to connect with you. You can follow us on Instagram at G12Church and share with us how this message has impacted you. Until next time.